0: Welcome back, everyone. Yep, it's another episode of the Steel Target Paint Podcast. It's early on November 30th. And when I talk early, it's 6 30 Eastern time, which is actually uh impressive for our guest because uh it's even earlier for him. Uh but first off, my partner in crime on this uh podcast as always is Steve Foster. Steve, how you doing this morning?
1: I'm doing great, Jeff. And uh you know what? Nobody will question uh Matt's commitment for getting up this early. So, we appreciate you coming to join us. Uh we got Matt Hopkins on the show with us today.
0: Matt, how are morning, you doing? Morning everybody. All right, great. I'm Matt. doing actually great. So, Matt, let's get right into it. You're uh you've put your name in the hat for uh USPSA president and uh uh there are uh, some other candidates out there and and you know, we just wanted to give you an opportunity to talk Um, To everyone, but, you know, probably more specifically to the steel shooters, because uh, that is kind of a focal point of this podcast. So um, right off the rip, what is it that uh, that you feel you bring to uh, that position uh, that's going to be a benefit to the organization?
2: So I think the first thing I bring is that I have a differing opinion than the current administration, or the current board members and anything like that. So I don't, I'm not set in my ways of thinking and I have new ideas or, and I'm willing to and open to listening to what members say and members feedback and taking that in front of the board and asking the board, like, why are we doing it this previous way? Are we, should we do it another way? Should we look at something else and stuff like that? So I think it's an open
0: mindedness and, and everything. Okay, so, I mean, I think that's good, but could you give, you know, maybe an example of, you know, how your your thoughts differ in, uh, from, say, what the current uh, administration's is?
2: Oh, so th- this is a pretty easy one. I think sure. we should live stream all the board meetings.
0: Okay, fair enough.
2: So, everybody talks about transparency and we don't get that in the current minutes. It's hard to articulate all the discussions that were had. So I think it should be easy at this point to live stream all the board meetings. I think we should have at minimum quarterly member meetings where members can offer input back to the board members. I think there's a, they're doing a good step on this is where they're going to have the member meetings at every national. So including, including world speed shoot. Yep. But I think we should yeah, me- be able to do that on on a virtual system. It's 2021 now, and it'll soon be 2022. And throughout COVID and everything, that the the virtual teleconference meetings or like Zoom or Teams meetings have advanced like dramatically in this period of time.
0: Sure, absolutely. Yeah, so- yeah I mean, you can set those up so you know, people can come in as just listening, but they can raise their hand to ask a question and type it in and you can have a a monitor. So, you know, there wouldn't be anybody necessarily that would uh, ability to interrupt the meeting. So that would still be functional from a, from the board's perspective, uh, but would get everybody a view of, of what actually is going on. It's a very interesting perspective. So
1: Matt, I've got a quick follow-up to that because, um, You know, we had Steve Moneypenny, which is running, uh, you know, for president on the podcast last week. We were talking a little bit about, you know, getting member, um, you know, feedback and involvement and those kind of things. And so in in Jeff and I struggle a little bit with this one um, because it's kind of a, you know, for the most part, I would say, and I'm not as plugged into USPSA. Uh, I know Jeff shoots it more than I do. I haven't shot a match. It's been probably a year or two. You know, there's plenty in Steel Challenge for me to to travel and shoot matches and those kind of things. And I would say overall, I don't think I don't think Steel Challenge is, is broken at all. I think that um, there's some maintenance that needs to be done, specifically when it comes to, you know, classifications. I think, um, like I shared last week or a week and a half ago, that, you know, we've got the, the times have fallen significantly. I mean, back in 2016 at the Florida State match, was probably one of my first or second major matches I shot, I won the match and won Rimfire Rifle Open with a score of a 72. And now, I mean, 72. You Top 20? Yeah. <laughs> You're lucky. You'd have to – yeah, you'd have to scroll on practice score to find a seventy-two, and, and you know there's a handful of us guys that have shot sub sixty. And so what's happened is is that the classification, we have far more grandmasters. And let's talk with about rimfire rifle open as an example. We got four far more grandmasters as a percentage than historically we've seen in USPSA and uh, what we've seen in steel challenge. And you know I know there's no hard and fast rule, but there seems to be a, a, a target of right around 5%. And I think, and Jeff can pull the numbers, but it's probably 12 or 13% Grandmaster uh, of the shooters that participate in Rimfire Rifle Opener in that Grandmaster range. So, you know, it, it's a delicate topic because there's people that want to keep that badge of, hey, becoming a Grandmaster, but yet there's still, you know, I think the times need to come down. And Jeff and I have both been involved in the past with, reviewing the times, the classification times, or the, what we call the peak times. But, mm-hmm. you know, so you got you got this polarizing topic that, hey, I, I want my GM, but I can't shoot a grandmaster time, but also I want to reclassify myself and there's a process. But I guess I share that with you as a brief background. So that may be a topic that's probably, I don't know, I think, not to put words in Jeff's mouth, but it's probably the biggest maintenance item that needs to happen.
0: Well, you can put those. Of... You can put those words <laughs> in my mouth because uh, I, <laughs> okay, I 100% agree with that. You know, uh...
1: so, so so my my question is because again, it is you know not everybody's going to be happy with any decision made. How do you take this as an example as USPSA president? How do you get you know all perspectives and put together? you know, a a response or this type of maintenance, you you know what I'm trying to ask, you know, without ticking everybody off and, you know, not everybody's going to be happy, but I I
2: think so. I think, I think the biggest thing is be open to input. And one of the first things I want to do is when I become president is, I guess you can call it a vault or like a, a bag of all the ideas or issues or anything we need to address. And, get them all in one spot so we can look at them as a whole like for uspsa for scsa for multigun and everything like that we need to be able to get all the ideas in one spot or the request for changes or rules updates or classification changes in one spot and be able to look at and see okay so all these ideas are in this one bucket we need to pick like this first one to work on and that's going to have the most impact like i don't know exactly which one that is right now on anything because we don't have a a central location where we can bring all those ideas or changes that are needed or requests from the members to even evaluate right now and i'll be the first one to admit i'm not a like so much into Steel Challenge that I know what needs to be worked on. I've listened to podcasts. I've talked to people. I actually presented ideas on the Hunter's HD Gold podcast this past summer. And I actually got a lot of feedback on that and I've changed my way of thinking and I think the biggest thing was adding more stages or changing the stages. That's the thing I got the most feedback on and everything I'm hearing now from the people that are most active in steel challenge is it's good. Don't mess with it. We don't really want more stages. We just want
0: to make it better.
2: And, yeah, and then, yeah, I finished, know,
0: if I could just expound on that um, and, and yeah. we've mentioned this before, but it really comes down to, you know, I look at, you know, people say, Oh, well, I, and I've heard this, you know, Steve challenge, uh, steel is a redheaded stepchild, the USPSA. But they forget that we were the first discipline to get live-streamed. Now, you can yep. say we were oh, the yeah. guinea pig, but we were the first. Did they learn a lot of things? Sure. Was it possibly better for the nationals, uh, at the I'm different nationals I'm they sure. had for USPSA? Probably. I I'm would sure hope so. Be. And I would hope that that would continue to be better at the next World Speed Shoot. We're getting, you know, I would like to see... The world speed shoot and steel challenge be nothing but taken as seriously as all the other disciplines, including multigun. Okay, I don't shoot multigun. Steve doesn't shoot multi-gun. I can barely spell multigun. But the guys yeah, that shoot I've, it love I've it. I've never shot it either. Well, yeah. It. The guys that yeah. shoot it love it. It is a valid discipline in in USPSA. And you know, until that changes, they, those shooters need just as much respect uh, to try to do all the, to have all the things that are done uh, for Steel Challenge and USPSA for them and possibly some different things too. You know, I mean, so I
2: think, I think the biggest thing with getting from my outside perspective right now mm-hmm. is USPSA has been going on for since the seventies or eighties. So it's had a lot of history They've been able to build up the sections, then build up the areas, and then nationals. I see that happening with Steel Challenge also. How many area matches did we have last year? Like three or four?
0: Yeah, maybe if, more. If, if if yeah yeah I if, think it's, it's, there was
1: yeah there was area two yeah area two area um, six five seven eight and four I think I think there was three six and four. Three.
2: Three and four. Yeah. So I think there's maybe one that, one
0: or two that didn't. Yeah. This year, yeah. This year, yeah. this past year, there, uh, there was only one area that didn't have an area championship.
1: The most, the yeah. most that I've seen since I've been shooting the game in the last six years. Yeah,
2: I think it's just going to have to be built up, and it's just going to take yep. a little time. And yep. I don't think that steel challenge is any less important than USPSA. I think multi gun there's a lot to work on there and i think the organization of uspsa needs to decide if they want to get into that or get out of it and make the mind up i from everything i'm hearing the multi-gun competitors want a national organization with a stabilized rule set i don't think there's anyone more able to do that on a national level than uspsa at this point so one thing I'd want to do is work with three gun people and ask them what they need, what they need, like in the rule set, what they want changed and how they want that put out. But at that point, once that's done, it's on the three gun community to either adopt that and start having matches under those rule sets that, so they can start building the base. And as soon as matches at the local level start happening then you can look at seeing area matches happen, and then all that will feed up into nationals. That way, it's, instead of one match a year ran by USPSA in the multi-gun discipline, mm-hmm. it'll be hundreds and hopefully thousands at hundreds of different clubs. Uh, there's 500 clubs right now under the USPSA organization. I think 200 and something are specific to Steel Challenge. And then the others just do USPSA. So there's definitely a, the organization standpoint, the, the national footprint where they could take that rule set and give it out to all their clubs and let them build that multi-gun from the ground up. But there definitely needs to be an adoption from all the major matches for multi-gun. And I actually think that's actually possible now before there was a very we're going to do our own thing because we like doing that and we don't want to have a 120 page rule book but every time we reference anything about safety or DQ's we reference the USPSA rule book so it it was just kind of like um it was like an outlaw thinking and I think that's changing which I think is good for multi gun and I think it can actually Increase the numbers in USPSA by a very large number, kind of with the same uh, increase that we saw during Steel Challenge when it was kind of adopted and taken on to a national level instead of just the world speed match once a
0: year. Mm-hmm. Well, th- yeah, there's definitely been, you know, uh, as we just pointed out, we had, you know, all of the areas except one uh having a uh an area championship um i think some of the other things that a lot of people don't realize is uh and i just pulled this up as far as level two matches there have been 23 so far and we're not even we still got a month to go and i know there are Yeah, there's
2: probably two or three on the calendar still
0: Easily. Yeah. Well, this weekend, this coming weekend is a Florida State Steel Challenge. Yeah. And uh, so here's the the real big number. Um, And just take a guess. Just have fun ballparking how many level one steel challenge, steel challenge matches have happened in twenty twenty one.
2: Wow. Oh, that's interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, I would have never guessed this number. You're, I think it's going to So
2: hold on. So so if there's roughly 200 clubs and they have a monthly match, so 200 times 12. What's that? Twenty four
0: hundred. Very good. It's two thousand one hundred and ninety two. <laughs> that's
2: amazing. Okay. Well, we still have a month.
0: And we still got a month to go, so that could <laughs> yeah. that could be the twenty four hundred. So uh, good on yeah. you, Matt, for uh, using your math skills. <laughs> um, yeah, five forty seven I a.m. Mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, but I'm over here going, "Where's my coffee?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> but back um, to back back to what you said, though, Matt, just a little bit ago, because yeah. you know uh, we talked briefly about it, but. Brian's a close friend of uh, friend of ours and you know when we heard you on the his podcast and you know you're talking a little bit about steel challenge you mentioned different stages I don't think that anybody necessarily wins that like hey Matt doesn't know what he's talking about or anything like that I take it as you know hey he just needs a little you know to learn more and unfortunately I had some family situations that I wasn't able to join you guys out at area three but uh you know, I think it's a sign of strength that, you know, hey, look, you said it here on the podcast, hey, you know what? You know, I thought it was an idea that some people wanted, but, you know, most people don't. And You know, I, I appreciate that open and honesty uh, for sure. There are definitely some other things that I think, you know, and in, in I shared some of these uh, last week, but there was one topic that I, that I didn't talk about that you know there's kind of like three or four things that are you know more of maintenance and not necessarily things are broken by any stretch of the imagination. But as the owner of Creekside Custom, I've done a lot of challenge coins and knives and cups and all that kind of stuff for matches. One of the other issues that I think again I don't want to make it out to be a super big deal, but I think where Steel Challenge may need to find some religion in the rule book Steel Challenge dictates the level of awards by division class and special, uh, categories. And I think that there probably needs to be a little bit more structure, um, since the sport's grown so much at level two matches, um, to really talk about what it, what it looks like. You know, Jeff uses, I think a three, five, seven, uh, is that right, Jeff? Or you use a uh, Three, three five seven. and you know, it's not the intent is, uh, you know, by division class or, and even special category, I think that's how he gives out awards. You know, it's not meant to be participation trophies, but I think what happens from match to match, and I'm sure you see this in USPSA as well, is that you know the 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 uh, uh, the matchbook certainly needs to go out where the awards are in a good matchbook are dictated what's going to happen and who gets what that type of thing and what payouts are and so on and so forth. But I think across the country for a level two match, I think there needs to be structure. And I think if you asked, you know, 10, 10 steel challenge shooters, what their opinion is, well, that may be different if they have a a dad of a daughter that just happens to be 13 year old, 13 years old, she's a female. So she's classified as a youth shooter, but, or is she a junior shooter? And does she compete for the ladies title? And how does that impact an overall? So she could get, you know, maybe more than one award for placing with one gun. So I think those and I don't necessarily have a strong opinion on what that needs to look like outside that. I think that's, that's another area. And maybe you see it in USPSA as well, but I think that's another area that needs to be addressed.
2: Yeah, we see that in USPSA and. So I'm going to match director, the area three USPSA match this year. And my thoughts on what they put in the rule book is the minimum that you need to do. I think match directors can go above and beyond that. And I understand what Steve's saying that some choose to just do that. And it's not offering a good service to the members. It's kind of a disservice at that point because they're not offering all the awards that the matches should have. I think we can definitely expand on that. I think one of the biggest things is from my perspective in that I've experienced personally, I've finished second overall in a division at a match. But since my classification is what it is, I get zero awards. I think we can't neglect the people that finish at that top level. I think we need to add at least a one, two, three overall awards. Because if there's 100 shooters in a division, you're obviously awarding probably three per class, but you're not recognizing the second or third overall finish of that division. So I think that's one of the big things. Steve, were you also maybe talking about, so if a competitor is in two or three different categories, they might win all three of them and not allow other people to win those?
1: Yeah, so – I think that there has been a lack of consistency in, in that particular area, but yeah, that's exactly right. And, and, you know, I shoot 10, 11 major matches a year typically. And so I've got that perspective, but I've had a whole different peek behind the curtain because this past year I've probably done another 10 matches worth of making awards and I've had to help direct, not in all situations, but I've had to help direct some of the match directors on, what is fair and equitable and how they yep. you know as a recommendation because the other thing that happens from time to time if you know if i end up going to a match and i'm shooting pcc open and i win uh high overall or whatever for the match or typically there's not you know like this past uh, two weeks ago for this uh panhandle all eight match as an example they gave me award for the PCC match because in Steel Challenge you really have the main match, which is Centerfire. Then you have pin, uh, uh, PCC as a separate match. Then you have, you know, Rimfire Pistol, then Rimfire Rifle, typically as separate matches as well. So, so some matches even will award a high overall for PCC. So I've got one of those uh, one of those awards, and then I won first place in PCCO, which. I did. And I won high overall for the match. They didn't recognize that, which I'm okay with, but then also I got a second medallion or whatever for winning high, uh, first place PCCO Grandmaster. And in most situations, a Grandmaster is going to win the high overall, not at all, because there's some sandbagging that happens. Uh, that reminds me when I shot, shot the Georgia USPSA match back in 2012, uh, uh, I think a C-class guy came in second overall in, in production, but that's another story. You know what I mean?
0: No, Steve, he had a really good day, okay? Oh, a no, really oh, no. I,
1: man, I was, I was squatted with this guy, and, you know, I've spent a lot of time shooting with uh, Dave Savigny because he lives over here, and Dave was shooting, and, and I looked at him, and I looked at this guy went, yeah, okay, C class. <laughs> I mean, we were all <laughs> over this guy. Like, yeah, okay, sandbagger. But anyway, we don't see a lot of sandbagging in Steel Challenge because every match is so, essentially a classifier. But there are There are yep. times, Matt, where you know a preteen may you know, or they call it youth, um, may win it's that. Pre-teen.
0: It, it's preteen. It's 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 you've got preteen. It, what is it? It's it's uh, uh, preteen, teen, junior, and then you've got on the other edge of the spectrum for, uh, the age-based categories, you've got senior and super senior. Yeah. Um, so they did, they did change the rule that basically says you can only compete in the category where your age falls because it used okay. to be, if you were a preteen, you could compete in teen or junior As well. Um, and so, uh, they have kind of tweaked that, which, um, I agree with, I mean, because if, and again, you know, where you're going down here, uh, I think it's great that they recognized so much, uh, at the, at the all eight match, um, but you run into the situation. In fact, you know, we tweaked it after the first year, Steve, I know you remember the first year of the West Florida steel challenge championships, you needed the van you had because you took so much hardware home because, <laughs> yeah. you know, we did that. We, we did, we did class. We did match or div- we did class. We did division and we did match and, right. and yeah, a GM Is more than likely going to take away all three of those away, and then you run into this situation that happened. uh, What match was it? Where oh, it was the Rimfire World Championships, where they gave away Mm -hmm. a the person, the overall winner won high overall, but they didn't win first place in that in in Iron or in Limited.
2: Yeah. So basically, you know, they they won overall, and then second place overall finish won first. Season, that, is is that, that is correct. That is
0: correct. You know, yeah. and is it, that's a way you can distribute the stuff, and there's there's never a perfect methodology. I, I've kind of come up with one that seems to work for us, which is mm-hmm. we start at the class level, and yeah. if I have enough people in the class then we do the three, five, seven rule. Um, If there aren't, if I'm not giving out enough awards in three, five, seven, then I will go to the um, division. And so that does tend to recognize. um, And in fact, I'm tweaking it again this year because I had one where um, I gave out awards in single stack. But they were at, I believe, the B or C level, and I had a grandmaster and two masters that got nothing, and I realized I'm I'm doing a disservice to those. Now, again, it's a level two match, um, and we're big on recognition. So that's when you said the suggestions in the rule book are are minimums. To do Mm -hmm. i like that um so and and again if if i if it's my match and i want to give out a participation trophy uh for you know high senior lady b class rimfire rifle open why does the uspsa care it's always been my
2: question i i don't think they care i I think that's totally up to the match director to do. And I, I don't see a problem with that. I actually don't even see a problem if someone wanted to give all the juniors awards. Mm-hmm. I That was some of the feedback I got when I was at the Area 3 match this year, just talking to people and seeing what they... Because it's it's obviously my biggest weakness and I don't want to come in there and just like throw my ideas out. Like I want to mm-hmm. ask and see what they say. And one of the biggest feedback I got was That the junior shooters are shooting against, let's just say, like, the juniors are shooting against Grant or someone like at that level. I guess Kenny also now, right?
0: Well, yeah, Grant Grant is uh, aged out, but uh, Kenny came right back in and filled the void. Right. So the juniors can kind of get
2: discouraged if they're never, ever getting anything based on who shows up to the match. So one of the suggestions someone put out was to award, like, give medals or some kind of recognition to all the juniors, and I don't think that's a problem. The awards are such a small factor when you look at the overall match expenses that if you decided to do that early, you could easily budget that into your match and have that available for everything. shouldn't be an issue.
0: I don't know if I agree with that or not, you know uh and i'm it, it's not my uh decision on how that goes. I will add that you know unless you're number one, there's always somebody there's always somebody better.
2: Well, there's always someone better even at that yeah they might not be in the court <laughs> no. yet yeah, or yeah. they're coming
0: up yeah, I mean, Kenny is a perfect example because this year it <laughs> was his first world speed shoot.
1: Yeah, but he's dry firing right now as we're recording this podcast. Jeff. You know in what I mean? California, <laughs> where it's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, so as you can see, uh, Matt, we've got some real third world problems going on oh. here in Steel Challenge. It's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible.
0: I- <laughs> what, Matt? You one know, listen. I want that- to ask. I want to ask one really pointed question, um, sure, go and ahead. you know, um, this is not to put you on the spot, but it's just to clear up a lot of things that I've heard a a number of my friends say. uh, And so I promised I would ask it. I'm going to ask this in the most respectful way because I, this is not what our podcast is about, but um, there was, you know, uh, on one of the podcasts that you're part of uh, and some Facebook posts, there was the title and I'm going to paraphrase it. Matt's going to war against the board of directors of USPSA. And um, it's a very bold statement. Um, If you're fortunate enough to win, these are the guys that you're gonna have to work with because you're only a person that can bring ideas and then you have to convince them to get their vote because you've only got one ninth of the vote as the president. Um, Correct. Yep. How are you going to smooth that relationship over so you are able to help forward your ideas, and you're not in a position of, well, that idea is Matt's, even though it's good, we're not going to take it because it was Matt's idea.
2: Yeah. So I'm I'm actually dealing with that right now. Okay. It as Area Three Director. Uh, There was a podcast that got put out about that. I just want to clarify that the title on that podcast, I had nothing to do with. Okay. Uh, there's been other podcasts that reference my name out there that basically say that I'm continuing the war or anything like that. And I can't control what someone puts on the name of a podcast Mm -hmm. or how they reference my name. The only thing I can talk about is what I said during that podcast and The biggest thing I said was people from every area have contacted me on how the process works, what's involved to become an area director. And I've been 100% open with them. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I think the biggest problem is there was – I'm trying to think how to say this. There's not a lot of openness to what areas are up for election and when. Okay. I think that's improving. I don't think it's as good as it could be right now. So, Steve or Jeff, do you guys know what areas up are for election, let's say, this year and next year? And I, Area 3 was
0: obviously this year. I do not. Do you know what I, other I, area was?
1: Uh, you're now you're testing my memory.
0: <laughs>
1: area 2. Area two was, was it at the same time or was it the year prior? I I apologize. Area two was
2: previous. It was in 2020. Oh, okay. So this year was area one and area three. And next year is area four and area seven. So every two years an area is up for election. Right. And I think the biggest problem right now is, well, one of the biggest ones is Everybody hears USPSA area director, so it's an assumption that it's only able to be ran or filled by a USPSA competitor or a more USPSA-centric competitor. And that's not true. So USPSA is an organization that has several different disciplines or sports underneath it. USPSA, mm-hmm. Steel Challenge, Multigun. I believe there was a legacy where they had like a – single gun like PRS and stuff like that that was wrapped under multi-gun. So we'll just say there's three main ones right now. And every area director represents all three of those. Is there a more weight towards USPSA-centric people on the board right now? Yes, 100%. And I think that should change. I think we should get diversity in there. I think in the ideal world, you'll have a nationally elected president that does everything and is not specific to one discipline and is a hundred percent sure not against certain disciplines you'll have a mix on the board of the eight area directors that make up uh you, what do you say two and a third that doesn't really work out math wise but say if you
0: have Oh, oh we're happy every, to cut one up like, into parts we could we can <laughs> we could cut up you know we'll find someone to volunteer and we'll cut them up into thirds so well area can,
2: six is the biggest area maybe we should section that off into separate areas
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's why that's where i live <laughs> yeah same here <laughs> all right you so know you, you guys are, will be area 6.1 and area 6.2 there we go you know yeah Steve and I are more than happy to come to the area director I'm not sure how Bruce Wells feels about that but (laughs) (laughs) okay so I I, I like I like where you're going here um uh I think we should have a diverse field of experience on the board
2: in in every aspect it could be your level of participation I think it should be what disciplines or sports you're involved with your professional experience your background on that that's not something we talk about a lot but i think currently on the board there's two people that are that work for nonprofit or not for profit organizations and that's not very well known and i think that gives the board a lot of experience and be able to pull a bunch of ideas from different areas. in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we have to continue to do.
0: Excellent. Okay. Um, second one, then we'll go back to some of Steve's stuff uh, with sure. regards to um, the board changes that are coming up. And I, I just read the board meetings and there's been a, you know, um, quite frankly, the, the, uh, the minutes were some of the longest, um, I've ever read, um, to your point, I did find it interesting that I think three times it's like, let's go in executive session. And then three minutes later, they're out of executive session. And then, you know, yeah that, th- that was weird. It was just weird. we got a know? lot of,
2: it was it, for sure. It was weird. And I'll be honest. It was about an employee issue where we thought we had finished it, but mm-hmm. we needed to, we, we continue to talk. So that's why we came out. And then we're like, someone mentioned that this is still an issue and we
0: had to go back into it. So okay.
2: that well, was strictly I, an employee issue that we thought we were done discussing and then had to go right back into it.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, it was, you it know. Did look it, it looked so, bad. It looked bad. Well, it was wise. just, I don't want to say it looked bad. It just, it was just weird. It was just weird. It's like, you know, what's going on here? And again, we didn't have the context. Um, uh, it To me, it's a lot better than what I saw, uh, I don't know, eight months ago where it was meeting started, vote to go in executive session, come out of executive session, uh, vote on issue discussed during executive session. And you never got to tell what the issue was. There were the votes, uh, meeting ended, and that was the meet. That was the notes. Well, so there
2: were, there were a lot some better, better than for, that. like.
0: Yeah, I think the minutes have gotten greatly better.
2: I I think you could expand on them a little where you add about like what X person said about this and then the discussion and then another person said this in discussion. And at that point, it almost makes sense to either release a transcript of the meeting or just put the meetings out there. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything except for what member discipline, employee, employee talks, basically you can't have that in open session. Right. And then there's some opportunities that probably need to go into executive session. Uh, say if, if uh, USPSA as the org was going to buy a sport that's already out there, like that, Mm -hmm. some of that stuff should be talked about in executive session before it's talked about in open session, obviously about what, for the sport is or or what anything that they're going to do with that sure so there's certain things and i think we should actually put some boundaries about it where you only go into executive session for those things mm-hmm. and you can't and you can't really use it as a say a hiding spot and i The first meeting I was involved with, it was a four-hour meeting, and I think the first two hours were basically getting me up to speed with the organization and then immediately went into executive session, and we were – there's been some different thoughts from the board since then that all those discussions that maybe would have been – immediately entered into executive session or now had out in the open. So it, they're not trying to hide it. They're trying to be more transparent. And. I well, mean, that's it. on the USA podcast.
0: Right. I mean, I've always, where they uh, talked about it. Yeah. I've all, well, yeah, I just noticed that that started in it and uh, I haven't had a chance to listen to them yet. Uh, I see Troy's got a podcast, a DNROI podcast, which I think is great. Uh, I think anything yep. we can do to provide information out to uh, the membership, uh, in, in any facet, I think is uh, a positive. And then how that information is taken, uh, is of course, based on the end user. Um, I, I like what I'm hearing here, uh, personally. Um, uh, and, and again, to, to me, it's all about actions and not, just saying stuff and I am seeing the actions. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that, that I'm, I'm calling, you know, BS on this because while we've heard there's going to be more transparency, we're actually seeing it. Now we're actually seeing more in the minutes. Um, we are seeing, uh, although transparency, you know, having a national meeting is not transparency. It does give the end users that chance to raise their voice and that's a perfect opportunity to do it. Yes. Not everybody can make nationals, but, but again, um, you, uh,
2: that's why I like the quarterly, the quarterly member meetings where there are virtual meetings where Mm -hmm. people can submit questions and we can, the board can address them. I don't think quarterly like zoom calls for two or three hours every three months is, is out of the shouldn't I don't think it should be out of the
0: expectation of being a board member personally I love the idea as long as there's a uh, I don't want to say a need but it's like if not much has changed in the last three months it's just having one for the sake of having one Um,
2: well here let's let me put some kind of examples of what I would like to see and if that's great. If this was able to be done. So I think we should have a quarterly financial update. Because right now the only reporting on the financials is six months into the next year and those reports are made for the previous year. So there's not a very timely public financial statements put out to the membership. And Everything I can see, financials are good. I think we have a very professional person in Gary DFO doing that. I don't think it would be much extra work if he put out that statement every three months or every quarter. Now, obviously, there's some concern about it being audited financial statements versus uh, estimates at this point, like at that Mm -hmm. point. So members got to go in with an open mind. If that stuff is out there that we might, there might be reclassification of certain expenses or revenue that would move numbers around. So as long as the members are open-minded about that and don't like, it's going to take a little bit to put that out and get people used to it. I think there should be a presentation from an update at least from every area director. So every area director should at least say something. Uh, They can update on their, their match that's coming up. They can update on previous matches in their area and how successful they were or stuff that they see that they're getting member feedback on what could improve and request the members that are watching to offer feedback to the other area directors on that stuff. I think the other directors from... Basically, the DIT, DME, DNROI should also have presentations on what they're doing. And those are obviously employees, so that would have to be worked out with whoever's their manager about their hours and stuff like that. But I Mm -hmm. think that if you substitute coming in at 8 and work until 5, instead you come in that day and work from 12 to 9 or something like that, that should be able to be accommodated and figured out. Mm -hmm. and done once a quarter shouldn't be that bad and then you have members submit questions and they the board members can address those or answer any of those questions on those
0: quarterly meetings
2: so that's what i would like to see
0: excellent all right steve i'll shut up for a little bit it's your it's your show now
1: you promised, Jeff. No, okay. I have another question. I
0: was only kidding. Um... <laughs> see, see, Matt, you've listened to the podcast. This is what we do, you know. Yeah, no, I yeah, I I listen to it quite a bit. I've I've uh, I, know, I try to
2: get as much information as possible.
0: Th- this I'm is, not the smartest person right, out right. there, and well, this episode is definitely about you. I mean, and, yeah. and, and, you know, that's, that's why Steve hasn't brought up that he has a home range, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Matt, did you
1: know that by
2: chance? <laughs> I I have heard that previously. Yes.
0: <laughs> oh, too funny. Okay. Too well, funny. I do have one other thing, but Steve, I'm going to give you a chance to get some words in it. Hey, hey,
1: Jeff, go right ahead. You have the floor, sir. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, now you're going to put me back on the spot and, and, and what it was. So, um, Matt, I really like everything you've talked about here um what are your feelings about the uh changes that the board which you're part of is coming up with uh to the bylaws um and specifically around uh, the responsibilities of the president um and you know we're still for those that are in the know uh or at least in the want to know um Mm -hmm. you know i'm sitting here waiting you know what is the direction the organization going to take are we going to have you know i mean it seems to be leaning towards the there's going to be a president that's going to be more responsible for the sport and there's going to be an executive director that's going to be more responsible for the organization as a whole with more of more in line with uh financials and and you know doing deals and all that. Um, I'd just like to get your yeah. opinion on, on all this. Yeah, so
2: nothing's totally in stone yet, and we haven't sure. actually combined all the bylaws to to put it out to the members for feedback before we actually vote on it. Mm-hmm. So that process real quick is we're still getting consensus and making changes to based on what legal counsel has said, what previous experience from board members how previous, like the current board members have dealt with over the past and the the couple different ways they're doing it. So it looks like now they're going to have an elected president. They're going to have a hired managing director, and that'll be an employee of the organization. And it looks like the managing director will have the directors report to them and then that managing director will report to the board as a whole. That includes the president. So the board as a whole will be still setting the direction of the organization, taking over, making sure the financial, basically the financial viability of the organization is still good and solid and being responsible for that. The president will be, And the managing director will basically, like you said, be doing the business side of the organization and the president will be doing the sports side of the organization, like being the face of the organization, having a future vision of what the organ, the sport should look like, getting member input and presenting that to the board. And then being also a representative to IPSC. That's something that's not talked about a lot. And I, It doesn't really make sense to even talk to steel challenge people about it because is doesn't have a steel challenge aspect or they do have a multi-gun and PCC, but it's still basic.
0: And mini-rifle. And
2: mini-rifle, yes, that's true. That's something interesting that I think we should look at as an opportunity in the future, mini-rifle for USPSA. I'd, you'd have to do some stuff, and might need a different sport based on falling poppers, and, and that basically yeah in activators. General, I, it,
0: I'm yeah, yeah. It,
2: you're, I've during there's, the pandemic, I had so many There's definitely an opportunity. Burn. There's definitely an opportunity there. We just got to figure out how to how to see it materialize.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have an they, idea. They've... We've
2: done a local match using all 13 steel challenge divisions, and we used non-falling steel challenge plates and like the bc zones and stuff like that and had it just time plus i think there's an opportunity there i think we need to get past the bylaw stuff stabilize all the other things and get the current members and current sports stabilized before we even talk about new opportunities or anything like that but there's definitely some opportunities for growth soon, but not
0: right now. Excellent. Good answer, sir. Good answer. Okay. Jeff's going to shut up now.
2: And I (laughs) I agree with the changes that are being made. I think we have to, this is the other part you said, we have to make sure the organization is able to be, to be stable through like changing times. So every two years, area directors could change. Every four years, two area directors and a president could change. So there's a high turnover or a high possibility of turnover. And I think if you have a hired person managing the business and the employees, that makes 100% sense. And I've agreed with everything that we've talked about in board meetings about that and offered any input I could. There is some conflict of interest stuff that could come up about presidential roles, responsibilities, compensation, and the board and me and Bruce Wells have already agreed with how that happens. Basically, if anybody has any, just to give a brief, uh, during compensation talks, anybody that said they're running for president will be 100% excluded, which 100% agree with. Anybody that doesn't agree with that uh, probably isn't thinking about it correctly and for the best benefit of the organization. There are some talks about roles and responsibilities of that position. And as a elected person for Area 3 members, I think we, and Bruce also agreed that, and the board agreed that, We should be able to offer input, but if anybody feels uncomfortable at any time, that has to stop, and we have to excuse ourselves from that situation.
0: And when you mentioned, when you said the managing director is going to have all the directors reporting to them, you're talking about uh, director of... uh, Uh, events direct DNROI director that's who that's who you mentioned when you say directors not the area directors
2: correct yeah the the employee directors and I think the DNROI will still report to the board that's not something that's been totally finalized yet it's still in talks on that but I think that from what I've heard in talks and everything in the meetings that that position will still probably report
0: directly to the board of directors. Okay. Well, of course, this is all going to be detailed, hopefully, to the members. Yes, this will
2: all 100% be in the bylaws once they're all collaborated and all updated and sent out. I believe a motion has to be made and a second, and then that pauses it. There can no... There can be no bylaw changes until the next meeting or there cannot be any votes until the next meeting. Okay. So at minimum that's ten days. Everybody on the board has agreed to do at least thirty days on that. So Excellent. to get over so, feedback and input.
1: So let let me ask you this, Matt. What was the one thing when you became an area director? Um that you realized as an area director that you're like, man, I didn't know that in terms of, you know, what, what pops to my mind is the level of authority and direction that the area directors really have. It seems like after Mike's been gone, it seems like there's been a revelation and, and that's, that's just a complete outside perspective, whether that's true or not. So what, what, what would you say has been, the big aha moment for you as an area director, as you've been behind the curtain.
2: So I think that's a really good question and it's not actually talked a lot about. And I think anybody that's coming in from the outside, that's never done it doesn't really know what's going on. I've learned a ton. I think the, the authority of the board. So each board member has, they ultimately have all the authority. They can, do all the changes. The president actually has less authority than the board as a whole. Mm -hmm. And with the changes that are coming up, I think they're going to have even less authority than an authority is a weird word, I guess, say power, power is a good way to explain it. So all the board, every area director has more power than the president. And the board as a whole has the most power over the organization. They can do all the changes. The way the bylaws are currently written, that they have the board gives the authority to the president, which all that's going to change. So it's pretty much irrelevant at this point. Uh, The other thing was the financials, getting up to speed on all the current financials and how the the deferred income and the – so if you buy a – a multi-year membership obviously it's bought at a discount but that income that revenue for your 90 dollars membership has to be put into revenue based over three years so they have some some deferred income that has to be put out and only is actually able to be put on the books based on the uh, it's not deferred there's some other word it's called it's um I'm I'm just at a loss right now, but it's basically you can't spend all that ninety dollars the first year of a membership for that member. You have to only spend thirty a year. You have to and amortize, and like, you have to amortize are, it over years, right? Something amortize, like yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. Yep. And life members are amortized over twenty years, so
0: there's a That's big chunk of money
2: that the org has that isn't really accessible. I think is is called a liability because those people have paid for up to 20 years worth of being members and the organization responsibility is to be there for them. So they have to allocate that money in a future year.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I, I guess my, yeah. my last question, Matt, and I know we're bumping right up against an hour here and we do appreciate your time. Could, could you summarize just high level for us, what the timeline looks like? Cause I've heard, you know, Again, there's rumors out there, because girls will talk, um, that there was like 16 people or something like that that were interested in being president. And I've heard that there's really only six and all that kind of stuff. So, high level, what's the timeline? When could we see an election and that kind of thing?
2: So, current timeline as of last Monday when we met was, we're going to meet tonight. This is Tuesday the 30th. Yep. We're going to meet tonight and the next Tuesday, which is, I think, probably the 6th of December. And at that point, we should have all the changes done, a final draft able to be put out to the members for feedback. Once that's put out, the, the self-imposed 30-day timeline happens. And what it's looking like, we have an in-person meeting on January 15th and 16th in Florida, So it looks like we'll probably vote on the changes then. That'll give it a little more than 30 days, which I think is fine. I don't think these changes need to happen right at 30 days and we meet on December, January 5th or something like that. It doesn't make sense at that to meet another 10 days, we can actually talk in person. And at that point, any members can actually petition to be at those meetings also if they wanted. So Hmm. if a member wanted to, come to that in-person meeting they could request it from their area director there's a spot in the bylaws where it explains how to do that pretty easy you request it from HQ as long as it doesn't add any expenses to the meeting room size members are able to attend those annual board meetings without issue obviously they'd be excused if any executive session was entered uh, and I actually attended an in-person meeting before I was area director or anything like that back in 2016. And it was an interesting way to see into that. That was Mike Foley's first meeting as president. And it was interesting to see what they talk about and financial stuff and like that. And obviously I was excused during executive session. So, but it was, it's interesting the behind the curtain, so to speak. Uh, Once that is voted on and passed, there will be a certain amount of time that any prospective people that haven't put in for the special election can gather signatures, request a petition, and then the election will have a start date. I think that'll be in the spring sometime probably march or april this is a total guess at this point we haven't actually finalized this and one thing they're going to do is change from putting the introduction and the q a session questions into the front site magazine there's going to be a special section on the uspsa website for that so every uspsa member no matter if they have the magazine or not will be able to go on and read a biography or an introduction for each candidate and see their questions answered on the standard Q&A section. I don't know if the Q&A will be the same as it always has been or not. That's basically a policy by the board, so it's not actually in the bylaws on that. So... And I think Jake and the president had come up with that in the past. I don't know if it'll be the same or not, but it's basically like it's a standard format. Every area director's answered for the last three or four years.
0: Sure. Sure. So Matt, you're saying Uh, that there's a, wait, I want to ask, I want to get this clear because, you know, I'm slightly intelligent. I put two and two together and you went, wait, you're coming to Florida in January and I just pulled up the, uh, Florida State's uh USPSA champions. I'm like, oh, there's everybody, they are coming here. So yep. <laughs> uh that's yeah. uh you know that the whack is my home range. So um okay awesome. Uh, you're saying the procedures for attending the board meeting are in the bylaws? Yes, they are. I will I can look there. I can look there. Yeah, um, they're in the I, bylaws. I think yep. as much as I appreciate you saying, you know, you can find them and send them to me uh i actually think if uh i think it's a a member's responsibility to understand you know where to go and how to go and how to get it so uh should i have any issues i will uh i'll ping you but i think uh, yeah it's a good test it's a good test of the bylaws too to say is this kind of thing easily found and how to uh do it because Mm -hmm. if it's not then that's something that might be able to be tweaked as well you know there's no yeah i would actually i think yeah
2: If you got if your feedback from that that it was hard or any any ways to improve that, for sure let us know and we should be able to incorporate that into the changes. Awesome. <clears throat> yeah, so the there's a in person board meeting in January. It's in Tampa. The second weekend of January, the fifteenth and sixteenth. So if any members of the org want to attend, uh, look in the bylaws, follow the procedure, request to be. Added and should be able to be done.
0: Cool deal. I think it'd be
2: good if you were there, Jeff.
0: I
1: Matt Matt, Matt Matt Matt. You really don't know what you're saying right now. I know it's early, brother, but man.
2: I think any any member should be able to attend, and I don't think it should be an issue if they go there. So.
1: Sure. Sure. Obviously,
2: sure. there has to be some professionalism. You can't go there just to disturb the meeting.
0: Just oh. as a caveat, I don't no, think you no, will. Of course but not. No, no. There's certain some people that could. This is this is my podcast. Uh, when I'm in something like that, I I know when to keep my mouth shut and just listen. So. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, report back because he's not capable. <laughs> <laughs> well, jumps well, the back with his hand going. Point of order. Point of order. Excuse me. Point. <laughs> At at which at which point Dan Bernard and, and everyone from from the WAC is going, shut up. Just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, great. Well, Matt, is there anything else you'd like to uh, to add? We're we're right at about an hour. I'm sure Steve is about pulling into the parking lot of his uh, his real job. Uh, so is there uh, anything else you'd like would... to add? You know, just kind of on the on the on the cuff.
2: Yeah, there's a couple things. So I know you talked about peak times and changing that. From my what I've seen, the USPSA org database is very strong and robust, and I think they have all this info that anybody would be able to look at, and I think it's easily accessible. <clears throat> Currently, we're talking about changing the high effectors for the USPSA classifiers, and the way the, I, Rick Bratzel, the IT person, has built the system, the database, it's, it's almost automated, but you could easily go in there and see changes that are needed, and it gives you a heat map and a percentage and the change, the previous, vert, like what the time was or the hit factor was, and what the new one needs to be based on a certain criteria. I haven't seen any of that for Steel Challenge, but based on my experience with Rick and how, how good he is at his job, I think that already exists. So I think we need to leverage what we have there, get input from the people with the experience and the knowledge. And I know we've talked about in the past, Jeff, how you, should, you think it should be done, and I think we should definitely look at all those ways. Yeah. Um, Here's,
0: here's something I want to add though. Um, And this mm -hmm. is something that really just occurred to me uh, about a month ago. Um, Back when they had uh, what they call the optics nationals, it was part of the nine days. Okay. And, and three of the days was the optic nationals. So uh, yeah, you had max and JJ, you had the top shooters and there were, I think seven or eight stages that were, you know, set up as potential classifiers, Uh, and I think maybe six of them made it. Okay. Correct. Yep. And, and people are going, okay, the best in the world are shooting these and we're going to use that as their criteria for the high hit factor. And you go, great. I can almost guarantee that none of those guys have shot those classifiers again. They Um... shot them once. Okay. My point is, is that okay? Maybe my yeah. guarantee. What's my guarantee? I'll quit the sport, and everybody's like, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> do it, Jeff, do it, do it." Uh, <laughs> um, But my point is, is that it's it's they may have shot them, but the the potential for them shooting those is 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 much lower. And it is, they also sure. shot them, you know, relatively cold, and at a nationals where yes, more than just trying to determine the high hit factor was at stake where with regards to steel challenge and steve brought this up earlier every stage is a classifier we shoot them all the time so the times are getting better i believe and and i've got all the data from the world speed shoots rick's got access to a lot more data on the on the uh, level two and local level but I've got all the world speed shoot data, and I've started doing it. And what I've determined um, is the best are getting better at a much higher rate than the other people who may be getting better. Okay. Okay. And they're yep. and they're putting that time in. And um, I I propose I don't know what the algorithm is, but I propose the algorithm take into account outliers. So guys like Kenny, Kenny Nagata that are shooting 120, 130% of some of these stages is while he's a great shooter. And when Kenny goes to a match, he's not looking to say, I'm looking to win GM. Kenny's going, Mm -hmm. I'm looking to win the match. So it, it's irrelevant to him at this point whether the peak times change but those peak time changes really affect the core of who makes up a match which is your a through d shooters yeah okay and yep while i don't i a hundred percent agree that Peak times need to change. I think what needs to be considered, and you and I have talked about this, I've talked about it with Steve, we talked about it with Steve Moneypenny, is Mm -hmm. the steel challenge shooter's ability to electronically choose whether they would like to be reclassified after the changes are made. For sure. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, especially if we look at rimfire rifle open, And nobody, I don't think there isn't anybody who didn't, who could deny that the time should change when you look at it, not from a personal perspective as what's this going to do my classification. Just look, look at how fast this game has gotten overall. You know, Steve mentioned his his 72 that won that. I mean, in 17, I shot a 75 and came in third at U S steel. And that's not even top 25 now. Right. Okay. And, 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 and that's okay, but, and he was talking about, you know, we're, we're GM heavy and you look at divisions like a good example would be optical sight revolver. I don't Mm -hmm. even know if there's 20 masters and grandmasters combined, let alone you look at RFRO and there's, you know, a, a ton of them. But what also Steve mentioned is for a guy like me um, and for, I think a lot of other people, if you make, if I, if I, you know, my peak time is for sake of argument a 70 and you turn around and say, okay, the peak times are going to be, it's down to uh, 60, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to lose my GM moniker. I earned that when I, when I could. Right. You know, so the whole potential of this electronic thing where, You know, it's so it's not manual. So, you know, Rick or whoever might be involved in it uh, has to go in and for each request, tweak it. You know, and you look at what happened with the simulcasting. I, I and I'm a I'm a software developer. I can't believe that this can't be figured out. So. I don't know if you heard that. Yeah, ding. I think th- I think that's... I don't know if you heard <laughs> that ding, but that was that was that ding was Steve going uh, wrap it up, Jeff, shut up. <laughs> 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 you can get <good> word now. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I think
2: that's a good. I think that's good. And, and obviously, if people want to keep their classification that they earned, I think they should. I mean, they do that in USPSA. There's a way to go down in USPSA right now.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't know. I'm. I just. I'm not educated if you could actually even do that in steel challenge right now. And if you can petition how the way USPSA does it or not, I just don't know. I'll actually look that up. So I'm more educated next time. Uh, but with the changing peak times, it's I think it would make sense if people want to go to the current classification AR with the current peak times or keep mm-hmm. their legacy historical classification. I think that, I don't think that should be a uh, something that we go against. I think it makes sense. The the people will say that sand, people will sandbag, but if if I'm understanding correctly, the your classification time is your fastest time. That is correct. You can't and that's not a rolling average, right?
0: It is correct. It is your fastest time and if you don't shoot that, well, that's what you get for the match, but it doesn't affect your classification at all.
2: Right. Okay. So so you can't just go in and sandbag the next three local matches to move your classification down just to win a class. Correct. Because it's always going to use the highest. Correct. Yeah. So I don't think that would be a problem. I think it kind of makes sense if people want to either keep historical or be classed in the new, the new peak times. I think that makes sense. I No, and Rick, I bet he's able to do this already. I don't want to speak for him, but Sure. He's he's very smart and he knows the USPSA database database very well, so I think he if we requested him to do look into this, I don't think it would take much time and I think it would be able to be done. Excellent. And I think we should actually look at several different ways. I think we should look at the current way. I think we should look at the way Jeff has talked about it, using the unique. So one unique person per division, because I think you talked about in limited division there would be one person in the top ten, and it'd be the same person.
0: Well, yeah, you know, in the past what we've done, uh, the methodology uh, is what I call the the top ten unique shooters in a division on a stage um yep. and and the way i expressed it was if we just took the top 10 scores at a world speed shoot for take for instance the limited division it would be completely yep. defined by bj norris
2: yeah because
0: he's he's he, i think in in many of the stages he owns six of the top 10 okay oh yeah uh, uh, so we went, you know, we said, okay, only his, his best is going to count. Here's the thing by definition, if you're taking the top 10 ever shot at a world speed shooting championships, in effect, you will approach the best time ever shot at a world speed shooting champ. It's, it's going to change every year. Yep. Okay. But
2: will that is that the best time shot though? Out of all matches, or is that no? Just it's world speed just show? the world's.
0: It's defined by what happens at the World Speed Shooting Championships, and, and that's how the
2: peak times are set.
0: That is correct. Um, okay. And right. and I think I think part of the reason for that is it's the guarantee that the stages are set up correctly um, that you've got, you know, dedicated ROs, um, and, and you just, you've got more eyes on, on everything. And that's not to say that anybody would cheat. I'm not saying that at all. It just, that's, that's been the rules, but I think the algorithm needs to be better defined with regards to, you know, getting rid of some outliers, um, and just taking things into consideration with regards to, uh, You know, these guys that are shooting 120, 130, sometimes even more faster. Um, Hey, Jeff.
1: Yeah. Hey, I apologize. I've got to run. Matt, thank you so much for your time today. Enjoyed the conversation. And uh, we wish you the best of luck and we'll talk soon. Thanks, man.
0: All right. Thank you, Steve. All right. Take care. Bye. Yeah. So if it isn't apparent, I can talk forever. And Steve only had enough. No, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. no, we're good. Uh, Again, I'm not saying what we've done in the past was wrong. I'm just saying that, you know, there is an opportunity to look at it from more of a, a statistical perspective and going, you know, how do we change these times to better represent what's really happening in the entire division as opposed to just what are the best guys doing? So do
2: you – I think that's a good point. Do you think it should be expanded beyond just world speed
0: for those, um, it's to tough. those peak times? It's, it's tough to say that, and the reason for that is, again, because uh, it's not to say that the area matches, other level twos. I mean, you look at my match. Now, I'm only shooting the speed six. Uh, but, you know, we're out there, we've got it laser level, we've got them, you know, measured down to, you know, uh, the perfect position of every plate. Um, when you come to the WAC, you're going to see how different it is compared to every other range you've probably ever shot at. Being an outdoor covered yep. bay, it is yep. it is definitely unique um, in its aspects. Um, I don't have really an issue because you do have the best of the best showing up at the World Speed shoot. I think it's just whether or not you take what we've done in the past. Um, because, I, and I think if you add the aspect of the, the member being able to say, I want to be reclassified. Yep. I was almost an M, and now I'm barely an A, and you just changed the times. Now I'm not even an A, so I'm a B. But because I can't reclassify myself, I'm going to be shooting against other masters. Why do I even want to shoot this gun? Yeah, I think that's um... a... So I I think if you were to turn around and say, you know what? You make a proposal, the board agrees, and they go, I don't think they'll do this, but they go, the peak time will be the best time... On a stage in a division ever shot at the world speed shoot, and everybody who's listening to this is cringing right now. <laughs> okay, but if you that did, lower
2: that would lower all the peak times, right?
0: It oh, would lower every peak time. Yeah, every division, every stage, it would so, lower the peak time there, which would then lower the overall peak time. If you did that, but then added the caveat that says. Oh, by the way, we've developed this electronic methodology for you to be able to go in to the website, hit a button, and say reclassify me.
2: Yep,
0: it would give people at least a chance. Now, again, a guy like me, I want to keep my GMs. I like being called a seven-time GM. I think our new, yep. newly minted thirteen division GM. Who is, is that? Uh, that is Daniel Matias.
2: Okay, awesome.
0: Um, I don't think. He, he worked his butt off to get those. I don't think yeah. he's going to reclassify himself. Um, <laughs> but I think there are a lot of people that would. And then you've got the option, and 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 I think when you give people options, and then they continue to complain, they're just complaining for the sake of complaining.
2: Yeah, you can't help those people are going to do that. And yes. You have to, you have to take some of their input, but you also have to recognize that no matter what you're going to do, you're not going to make them happy. Yep, exactly. You, you should at least take their input and maybe even discuss it and, and go from there, but you're never going to make those people happy. They're always going to find something to complain about or anything like that, no matter what you do. Even if you literally address their exact issue yep. that they brought up and said, I want Rule X changed to rule to say Y, and you do that, they're going to say, "Why did it take so long?" So
0: totally agree. Totally agree. All right. Well, uh, we've lost we've lost so, Steve, and we've gone over an hour. Is there uh, any final uh, comments you'd like to make? Yeah, I I want to just
2: say something that what I think we should propose several different avenues on setting the peak times. Mm-hmm. So we should I think one should be the way you did you you say use a unique person at world speed. I think we should look at just the lowest time and see how all like several of those scenarios look and put it out to the membership and see what they say. So if we put three different scenarios out and have put it out for member feedback and input and then decide after that based on what the members have Told their area directors and what we've seen and discussions online and podcasts and forums and all that. If there's forums or I guess it's Facebook now, right? <laughs> uh, and, and then, and then decide on which way to go. So I think we should put out several different paths to choose and then get the feedback from that and then make a decision after that. I or think... it could be say, and say we put, let's combine all three of those and see what that puts out at.
0: I, I, I will add this having, and, 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 you know, I, I talk to, you know, quote unquote, a lot of shooters. I do a lot of shooting down sure. here in Florida, but it's, it's nowhere near representative of what's happening at the national level. I'm not kidding myself. Um, but for the shooters that I've talked to, it doesn't really matter mm-hmm what methodology you're going to take there only the gms aren't going to care because most of the gms Everybody are going to remain go. gms everyone else yeah. is going to go you're killing me but if you yeah. if you follow that up with again we have also a methodology for you to be able to change your classification yep then I think you're going to get a more honest answer from the membership on which, which methodology best suits the needs of the, the sport.
2: Yeah, no, I, that makes sense. I think that's, that's very good.
0: Yeah. Uh, And some of the divisions, it doesn't even matter. I mean, it really doesn't. I mean, we've done, we've done very few changes in uh, the center fire divisions and yeah part of well, the reason is is twofold most yeah. of them have been around for 15 plus years yep okay yep. those numbers have yep. solidified and the numbers are also diminishing as far as participation in those divisions mm-hmm. they're still solid okay yeah and oh, yeah. and I was talking with somebody and I and I said this I said if you wanted to see, the open times get better it's real simple require everyone who shoots a match that they must at least shoot open
2: or shoot a center fire division or shoot
0: a center fire gun and yeah. you know you can't do that I, because it's not fair yeah, to the end user yeah. but people would eventually you'd start seeing people get better and in and and you'd you'd start seeing the time, the times come down um. Yeah, but uh, I mean, if you look at the numbers, you know, again, why is every match half of the matches rimfire rifle, PCC, and rimfire pistol? Yeah, because they're fun, because they can be fast. Two of them are twenty-two, and they've all got a dot. And it's fun to hit stuff. And there's no holster. There's no holster requirement. Either. And there's no holster requirement for any of those. I think that's a big thing. Yeah. It is. It is. Uh, listen, I love shooting center fire. Um, uh, in fact, uh, uh, you know, I've got one of my GMs is in center fire, and I'm working on two other ones right now. And, mm-hmm. But it's a challenge, and you have to be ready for the challenge. And yep. you know, suddenly, you know, I think BJ said it a long time ago where you know for the better shooters half your time is just in the draw yeah oh yeah you know uh
2: that's a lot (laughs) yeah
0: it is it is Uh, (laughs) and you know of course watching watching a guy like bj shoot it's like you know you kind of you kind of look at it and you go can i ever do that and you go well you know he's all everybody forgets he's been doing this for Twenty plus years, as as yeah, right. you know, KC and 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 these guys, and you know, hundreds of thousands. It's it's. Uh, I say this all the time. It's a learned skill. It's a diminishable skill. Hundred percent. You got to keep up with on that. It, So, yep. Awesome. All right, man. Well, uh, thank you very well, much. I'll make for one. Me. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll make
2: one closing statement about yeah, kind of my platform or anything. So. Yeah. All my decisions are going to be made on what's best for the organization. My main platform, if I'm going to put it into two words, is going to be members first. We need to do everything that makes sure it's best for the members, not for anything else. that be anything else. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's not good for the members, we should not be doing it. And that's what... That's why I'm requesting input before decisions are made, putting stuff out to members before rule changes happen, bylaw changes happen, obviously all that stuff. So everything is gonna be looked at from a members first perspective. And I'm gonna use that to base all my decisions and votes on and anything like that on in the future, rather I'm a USPSA president and got elected into that, or if I continue on being area three director for the future. So that's where I stand and that's what I'm going to look for in any decision or any discussion that's being made.
0: Fantastic. Well, we appreciate you being on. Um, hope everybody gets a little bit out of this that, uh, helps them, uh, make their decision. Cause that's, what it's about getting you in front of the members yep. and, and, uh, and letting them listen, and, uh, and we're happy to pro- provide you that platform. So thanks again. We appreciate your time. Thank you for having me on. All right, everybody. Hey, don't forget, if uh, you want to get that steel target paint discount code, go to rangestore.net and enter code STPODCAST10. Thanks again to Matt and Steve, and we'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye-bye.